Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Liz Seagrave Tantaranu is a speech-language pathologist who offers both pediatric and adult services in the San Francisco Bay Area and across the state of California. She started her private practice to help cover a maternity leave and is now in her own private practice full-time. I got to know Liz when she was a student in the Start Your Private Practice program, and it has been fantastic to see how she's flourishing in her own private practice. In this episode, she talks about how she took little steps every day to get started, becoming a Medicare provider, and she also talks about people-pleasing and perfectionism. If you've been thinking about starting a private practice and you want to hear how one of the students from Start Your Private Practice did it, this is a must-listen episode, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system, and I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yes, I am Liz Seagrave. That's my maiden name on Facebook. It's Liz Tantaranu, if you see that name. I'm in San Rafael, California, which is about half an hour north of San Francisco. And I'm the founder of Golden Coast Speech Therapy Services. And you have been an amazing student in the Start Your Private Practice program, which is where I first met you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what I want to really do is kind of explore how you got started in private practice. And then I would love for you to share where your practice is now, as well as where you think it's going. So let's take our listeners back to the beginning. How did you start thinking about private practice? And at what point in your career did you start to kind of think about how you were going to make this happen? So back to the beginning, I think I first learned about the independent clinician when I was on maternity leave with my daughter seven years ago. That's when I was like, oh, what am I going to do next? (laughs) That's not when I started my private practice though, but that's sort of when I got the gears turning. But I think even before that, before I even went to grad school, like I remember I had studied psychology and linguistics in undergrad, but I didn't even know about speech pathology as a profession until my first job 
out of undergrad, which was at a private school for kids with learning disabilities and ADHD. So some of them got speech therapy. I was doing that for a couple of years. I was like, I got to do something more. I'm going to go to grad school, but I don't know what. So I started researching that and learned about the whole medical side of speech therapy And I I had a great uncle in the Seattle area who was a person who had had laryngeal cancer and was a laryngectomy. He spoke with an electrolarynx. So my whole life, I was like fascinated by voice and speech science. And I mean, as a little kid can be like, how do we make sounds? How does the mouth work? How does the voice work? So anyway, I decided to pick a program. I went to University of Washington where they had kind of a medical specialized focus, but I also had that background of working with kids. So my whole career, which is about, I've been practicing for about 10 years now has been adults and peds. I never really like picked a route. I've had a lot of different roles. The only thing I've never done is work in a school, like as an elementary or middle school SLP. I worked in a preschool classroom, but not in the schools. So I've done a lot of different stuff. And I remember before I applied to grad school, sitting there kind of researching the profession and going, this would be great. I could have an office, have clients come see me. They come in, they pay me, they go home. It's easy. And of course it (laughs) didn't turn out to be, it's not that easy, but that had always kind of been like the holy grail for me of eventually I want to get there. I don't know how to get there from point A to point B. And I ended up doing my CFY in the VA in Los Angeles. And so it was very different from like the private practice setting. It was always there as something I wanted to do. I got back to really considering it a few years after I had completed my CFY when I was at home on maternity leave. But then I got a job offer at another hospital. I didn't pick that up for another few years. And then, so I think I got to the point like around, I was in a, I was in a role at another like large hospital outpatient setting in 2020. The motivation for private practice was kind of, it was in that setting. Things were changing. We had some different administrators come in. It was just getting yucky. I don't need to explain that. I'm sure people know like productivity stuff. And I was feeling so disillusioned, unrealistic expectations in our field, kind of the lack of respect and understanding of what we do and the value we bring to people's lives. That had been brewing for a while, I think. And as that management was changing at the same time, the pandemic was starting, things got a lot worse for me in my job. And so I stuck it out for another six months before I actually quit that job. But at the same time, I'd kind of been thinking about private practice. I just hadn't made it official. So starting probably like summer 2020, so we were in the pandemic, I had a coworker who was a good friend from a previous job who I'd brought over to the current job. And we were both like, ugh we don't want to do this anymore. So (laughs) our kids were friends. She would come over to my backyard on the weekends and we would just like fantasize about having our own practice. So it started out, I really started out wanting a partner and I had this partner. I have to say, we're still very good friends, but I'll tell you what happened. So we were kind of like in the works of thinking like, okay, how are we going to coordinate this? I'll quit. And then you quit. And then we'll have our website and we'll start seeing patients. It'll be great. We kind of, this was before I had started your program. This was like just us kind of like shooting the breeze, figuring out. 
it was like catharsis. It was like escapist fantasy. Like we had to get out of our jobs, but like, what do we do? So that was like, I, I cherish those memories of just like hanging during the summer. And like, it was so fun, like thinking about like what could be, and then like looking back and like, now we're in a completely different place. But so I ended up, I was like, that's when I really started to read the private practice beginners Facebook group, started brainstorming, started listening to the podcast. And that's actually where I got the inspiration or the confidence really, I think to think, I could do this with a partner. I don't see a lot of stories about people doing this in a partnership, but there was one podcast with a woman named Renee and her partner, Christina. And I think you said that they've, they've been on a couple of times now, but I heard like it was June, 2020 ish that I heard the podcast with them. That was their second okay, one. Yeah. Uh, listeners, we'll put this up in the show notes, but they came on about a year before that. And then they came on right kind of in the early summer part of the pandemic. Yep. So that would have been their yeah. second episode, but yeah. And they're, they're, they're amazing. I was just floored to hear Christina and Renee's plan that they had almost fulfilled on their timeline of opening a clinic every year for five years. I was like, what? How is that possible? And partly because they were doing it as a partnership. So I had a lot of questions. I like Google stalked Renee and Five Oaks Therapy and found her email and reached out. And she's the nicest woman. She's become like a really wonderful mentor to me. She's like, I call her my private practice guru. She just like has all the answers. My family goes down to the part of the state where she lives. I'm in California a lot. And so when we were there, we met her. She had us over to her backyard during the pandemic to like hang and talk about business. It was so cool. And so I text her all the time. She has lots of really good advice. So I credit the podcast and getting to meet Renee as part of kind of the spark that helped me get into this. So I was all jazzed up. It was summer push came to shove. And I finally, I couldn't take it anymore. And I quit my job without a plan. I hadn't even like formalized anything with private practice. It was like a week later that I was like, okay, I'm filing with the state. I didn't have a job. That was really scary. Like to not have, not having income was not an option for me. So, you know, I had no clients yet, but I had more confidence in my ability to do it after doing all that research, figuring out like how to, as we say, get our ducks in a row, right? A few weeks later, my friend and business partner also resigned, except it was due to, I mean, aside from wanting to quit, it was also due to some unfortunate family circumstances. And she was going to have to move several hours north in the state to be with her family to care for someone. So we weren't really quite sure where that left us with the business. Like I was ready to pull the trigger on making it official and filing for my professional corporation in the state. So we had to have some hard conversations early on. This whole thing we had been envisioning was like together. It turned out that like it wouldn't have been impossible for us to start a business from different cities four hours away, but it just wasn't really the right time for her to commit to something. She didn't have the resource. She had to work and I had to work, (laughs) but we're still really good friends. And she's actually on my board of directors for the corporation. And we're still really good friends. And maybe in the future, you never know. We actually named the business Golden Coast Speech Therapy because for a few reasons, we love the California coastline. We're both native to California here. We also 
both of us were like, are we going to be living where we're living for the next 10 years? Probably not. Probably still in California, maybe. But let's like give ourselves the option. If we're going to move around or travel with the business or open multiple locations, let's pick something kind of vague, but very California. And so that's how we landed on that. So anyway, it's she's still in it. So then it was all me. I'd had no job. I had a fledgling, very new business that I had been thinking about starting for a few months. I ended up taking a job as a preschool SLP three days a week. So that through an agency in a local district, it was part-time, which gave me a couple days a week. And after the school day was over to work on starting the business. So that takes us through most of the year 2000, the first year of the pandemic. It was a really slow ramp up for me, but I had figured out kind of the nuts and bolts of starting like the official paperwork and the actions needed to start the business just from what I could glean with my researching skills and what other people in the big private practice beginners group had offered up. I had a website. That was something that we started working on in the backyard on the weekends. And I had an idea of what I needed to actually do to like start accepting payment and things like that. Once I like get a bank account and figure out a way to take payment once I actually had clients. So I was working the new job at the preschool, figuring out how to do teletherapy with preschoolers (laughs) after coming from an outpatient hospital setting. And so that was taking up a lot of my time. It was the beginning of 2021 that I started working with my first client. And I think I got, I like, it feels like I got lucky because it was my ideal client. They lived five minutes from my house and they found me on a Google search. So I got lucky, but at the same time, I had started my website six or seven or eight months prior. So there had been time to have a web presence. And I think that that helped me show up in the Google search when these people were looking for a speech therapist was a person with Parkinson's and they wanted me to come do a program with them. And they continued to be a client of mine two times a week for the next year and a half private pay. So it was exceptionally good luck, I think, to have that as my first client. You worked through this partnership issue, then you didn't end up doing that, but you got that first client. And then what kind of happened from there? So... It took a couple of months to get another client. I think this is early 2021. Eventually, I think I was up to about four visits a week in spring of 2021. It was a mix of some private pay adults and some Arctic kids. And most of those referrals or how I got those clients were through, you know, friends of friends or people found me on a a Google search. And I decided around, I think it was May-ish, 2021, to sign up for your program. I was, I felt like I was kind of stuck. Like I had kind of figured out the basics. Like I had formed my business. I was taking, I think I had a couple clients at that time, one or two, or maybe three. I don't know. But I was like, I need help figuring out the next thing. I don't know how to keep going. And so I signed up for the START program, Start Your Private Practice. But I also, at the time you were offering this extra mentorship piece that was called the accelerator program. And I was like, that's what I need. I just need to get accelerated into this. That's what I wanted. And that was fantastic. I got a lot out of that program. I was really looking for help with marketing. And that was one of the modules in the start program was like learning how to do market research. I didn't know how to do that before getting the steps from your program. So that was really, really helpful. And 
yeah, I did the program in like June, July, kind of summer of 2021. And then within a few weeks of (laughs) starting the program, an office space nearby, like between my house and my daughter's school became available and it was the pandemic. So there were a lot of vacancies in commercial real estate, lots of deals going on because the owners were strapped. They didn't have tenants paying rent. So I negotiated a deal and I got myself an office space with only like, I had enough visits per week to barely cover rent. I wasn't paying myself yet, but I had enough visits where I would go to people's homes. I was doing teletherapy also to cover the rent. I negotiated a deal where they gave me rent free for a month and then half rent for a couple of months, I think. And it's a two office suite. So I was like, oh my God, this is, I'm biting off a lot. This is more than I need. But I was, again, thinking ahead to that like pie in the sky, Renee's five clinics in five years. I was like, I'm going to grow eventually. So I took a leap of faith. I took that risk and it's paid off. So yes, I've been paying rent since basically the beginning of my practice, but it was definitely a good decision for the business as well as for me for, it was kind of like another space for me to, I was working out of the corner of my bedroom at a desk before this. So yeah, it was really good. And then after (laughs) it was just, things kind of like fell into place, Uh, uh, like within a month of getting my office space, I was getting more referrals and a local home health company reached out to me looking to contract to get us. They did not have a speech therapist on staff and I have never, before that, I had never done home health before. I had done a lot of different medical settings and I'd worked with home health therapists, but I had never actually gone into patients' homes for a home health agency. I was so scared. I was like, I don't know how to take vitals by myself. What is this? There was just a lot to learn. And it was a huge risk, I think, just because it was also during the pandemic. I didn't know what what I was doing. I felt really good about negotiating the contract with them. I asked for more money than they had offered and they gave it to me. It was just so cool to feel that was like where I really felt like a business owner, like I'm making deals. Yeah. Like it was so cool. And that really ended up accelerating my income, my revenue, and really helped me get off the ground. It was about probably half of my income for the first Like it it built up, but it was probably half the income for the first six to eight months that I was doing it came from the home health contract. And I would attribute getting that contract. I see a lot of posts on the group about like, has anyone contracted with home health or how do you get a, a contract in a SNF or, you know, sort of that type of business relationship. And I attribute getting the contract partially to being in the right place at the right time, but also just being willing to take a risk and do something new. Like when I got contacted by them, I was like, Oh my God, I can't do that. I just got an office space. Like I'm trying to get people to come to me, not go drive all over the County, but I was able to set the parameters and it ended up working out really well. So running all over the place, it was like the last half of 2021 doing home health for this agency or company. I was seeing a handful of my own clients in my office and on telepractice. And I was working that preschool job uh, three days a week. (laughs) So that was insane. I felt like I was working three different jobs. (laughs) It was too much. I barely had time to breathe and I needed help. I was like, okay, when is it going to be time to hire to get someone 
in here to help me clinically because I wanted my eventual goal again was I want to run a business. Like I want to manage the practice. I want to be, I want to be Renee and Christina. That's what I want to do. I had a really huge boon to my business in, I guess it was fall, winter of 2021. So at the same time that I had a friend also in private practice who was going to go on maternity leave, I had a friend from grad school up near me who was looking to get back into the workforce. And she had a very similar background to me in terms of she had mostly worked with adults and the friend with the private practice going on maternity leave we was like, how about we strike a deal here? I'll give you my caseload while I'm on maternity leave. And I said, okay, but that's like 20 clients. Like, I don't know if I have room to do that on top of my three jobs that I'm doing. So I talked to this friend from grad school and she became my first hire and she covered the maternity leave for several months. But because they were adults and a lot of them were Medicare, I had been waiting to finally click that button on the Medicare enrollment for literally like a year. Like it was something I started looking into when I was brainstorming the private practice, but having actual Medicare clients, I had to be a provider. It forced me into just learning all of that. And I became a provider. It was a lot easier. Once you actually click the button, it like goes pretty smoothly actually. And I learned there was such a steep learning curve, but it was a huge boon to my business because then we were able to take Medicare. We were able to advertise that we take Medicare. I started getting referrals from UC San Francisco and from local ENTs because they saw on my website that I could take Medicare. And so that just was a huge success for my business. And my employee, my good friend from grad school still works with me. She's done a lot to help kind of grow the practice in other ways too. So it was really great. I ended up agonizing about telling the agency those paying me to work in the preschool that I needed to quit. I was like, oh my God, the middle of the school year, I can't do that. But I really, really want to do that. I'm done. Like, I want to do my private practice. It's working. I have a viable business here. So I ended up telling them I was going to leave in February of this year. The district ended up asking me to stay one day a week rather than the three days a week just to do assessments, which I figured I could do that. And I could fit other things in during the day and the week. So it freed me up to really be just in private practice. And so since, and then the school year ended. So basically this summer has been the first chunk of time where I've been fully a hundred percent in private practice. I love that. And just like, think of all the things that you've gone through to get to this point, right? From having like a partnership that didn't quite work out to having a couple different jobs and being, you know, going in a bunch of different directions to having some really cool opportunities seemingly fall in your lap. But at the same time, like you acknowledge them, you made a plan and you made them happen, right? Like, I think that that's really important is because opportunities sometimes do fall into people's laps and you have to decide, like, are you going to go for it? Even if it means that you got to kind of figure some stuff out, right? Or are you going to let fear or analysis paralysis or whatever stop you from pursuing things? But like, I'm really proud of you for just being like, you know what? I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to figure it out because I think it's a really good opportunity for my business. Yes. And I battle, I've always battled imposter syndrome. Like 
even doing this podcast, Jenna, I'm like, do people want to hear me? That imposter syndrome hits so hard for me in a lot of the things I'm doing, even though I have 10 years of experience and I've worked, I know a lot about a lot of different settings. It is hard and it's still something that I struggle with regularly. You got to just do it scared, right? Isn't that something that somebody says, you just do it, but you do it scared and it ends up working out most of the time. Well, it's, it's mostly scary in the beginning when you just don't have experience doing it, right? Like that's one of the things sometimes people say, you know, Jen, I want to do your program, but I just, I'm not quite confident yet. Like I need to wait to to have more confidence and confidence comes from doing, right? Like you have to do things to become confident. So for anyone who's listening to this, who's like been waiting to be confident enough to start your private practice, it just doesn't quite work like that. Like you have to just start and that's how you're going to gain that confidence. And that's what you've done, Liz, right? Is like, you like weren't confident that you knew how to do a contract, but now you're like, but now I've done it. And now I know I can do it again. Totally. Yeah. You get the confidence by doing little pieces of it. Everybody should start their private practice if they want to. That's great. Great. It's a lot of work, but it's great. (laughs) Yeah. When it allows you to to take control, right? Like that's one of the things I say all the time is that private practice is the only way to take full control over your personal life, your financial life, both of those things, right? Taking back that control because a lot of people in our professions are burned out, right? And they just, the Mm -hmm. reason why is because they don't have control over what kinds of clients they see, what kind of care they provide, what their hours are, right? And so that's a main reason why more and more people are pursuing private practice. Totally. I agree with that. Yeah. I've definitely gotten to the point where I feel that I have way more financial control. I've learned so much about myself and my relationship to money and finances in being a business owner and definitely the scheduling and the flexibility. You know, I'm taking next week off. I took a week off at the beginning of the month too, and nobody can do anything about it. (laughs) I mean, my clients are fine with it. What's exciting to me about private practice, there are so many avenues that I would like to pursue that I haven't yet. And that's, what's exciting because it will, there will always be something that something new to look into if I get kind of bored with, or just want a change of scenery. So we haven't, we, because I have an employee now, we haven't gone down into taking courses about accent modification, but that is something that we're talking about adding that as a service, doing some more trainings and that, because we haven't done it since grad school, or we really want to do some group. We're both LSVT and speak out trained. And we have individual Parkinson's clients who've been through the programs and should have this, you know, a group maintenance therapy available to them. We just haven't yet done it. So professionally we can take control of it. There's a lot of you kind of have to pace yourself a little bit. In my mind, I have to pace myself because there's so much I want to do. I run into the trap of like, oh my God, there's too many things to do. So focusing on just picking one or two things at once has been something I have to remind myself of to really find success rather than like dabbling in everything. So yeah, being a generalist in private practice is a double-edged sword. I think I have a lot of interest, but it is sometimes hard to kind of like, are we an adult's practice? Are we a peds practice? I have like this nice kind of, you know, adult professional looking corner of my office. And then I have this like giant thing of random toys over there too. And so it's, 
like that's a struggle, but I think it's great as well. Like it allows so much variety and it can be whatever I want it to be. I just have, it, I'm the, it's up to me. Yeah. Great. And you can do that in stages, right? Like, I think that's one of the yeah. other things as to whether it's a vision board or, you know, three or five year planning. So like, you know, here's all the things that I want to be able to do. And then you have to kind of take a step back and say, well, what makes sense to do first? Because yeah. when everything feels like a priority, then nothing's a priority. And that's something that oh, I can exactly. identify with because listeners, I come up with a lot of ideas and a lot of ways to support (laughs) private practitioners, but I also have to kind of think about, well, what makes sense in terms of when you roll stuff out and like, what is your energy like at that time? And, you know, I've got kids and, you know, all those kind of things. And just like you said, Liz, you know, you want to be able to go on vacations and and that kind of thing. Right. So I think that that's really um, important. Before we wrap up, do you have any advice for people who have been thinking about this for a while thinking about private practice, but haven't quite decided that this is their next step. Maybe they're waiting for something or whatever, but what would you tell the people who are interested, but haven't decided yet? If you can do just something to further your vision of your private practice, something little, just take a little step. You'll probably see that that feels really good and you'll want to do more. So like it can seem really daunting at the beginning. Like there's so many things to do, whether it's just like writing it down on paper, like what you want your practice to look like brainstorming names that can be really exciting. If you're a techie person, just like browsing website templates, it's great to have like all these kind of daydreams in your head. Like I had, there are lots of like small little actions that can make it real in a slow and manageable way. So like I said, I think until I had my office space and I really started to ramp up with clients and the home health contract and everything, it was like a full year or more of just kind of like dabbling on the side with all the pieces of starting the private practice. It's totally possible to jump all in. And I know you've had students from the program on your show who have done that. Like, let's go all in, let's ramp up fast. Even Renee and Christina with their five-year plan, like that is pretty fast growth, but it's also possible to just dip your toe in, just start to immerse yourself in some of the pieces and you'll find that it feels really good. And it's not as scary as you think once you're doing it. Perfect. That was such good advice. And Liz, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being a part of the START program and just, you know, sharing with our listeners your journey to private practice and, you know, what things look like now. And I'm just can't wait to see what's next for you. Thank you. Yeah, this was such an honor. I feel like I was telling you before we started, I feel like I've made it being on the podcast. It's so exciting to have that come full circle and listening to it, being inspired by other people's stories, and then being at a point now to reflect and look back and be like, hey, yeah, I have made some accomplishments here. And if I could do it, you could do it too. Anybody could do it. It's hard work, but it totally pays off. Don't you just love Liz? I love her attitude and how she's really built her practice with freedom, flexibility, and financial independence in mind. She is a perfect example of how taking small steps can help you build big dreams. If you would like to know more about our programs and how we support SLPs and OTs who want help to start and grow their practices, please visit independentclinician.com. As always, thank you for listening and tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast.
While this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.